So welcome, Sean. It's good to be talking with you. Uh, the NatureServe is uh, uh, a unique organization, and uh, so I'd like you to just tell me about it. How did how to come about? How does it operate? NatureServe. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. By the way, uh-huh. it's really great to be here and talking with your listeners. Um, and I think NatureServe will be both a new organization to them, but also really interesting Uh because our mission is all about providing people with the data that they need to make effective conservation decisions to protect the most endangered and imperiled species in North America. So we were created originally as the science division of the Nature Conservancy. Uh And then for about 25 years, we did that. Uh-huh. And 20 years ago, uh, or 20, almost 25 years ago, we became an independent organization uh-huh. that works with natural heritage programs in all of the states and Canadian provinces to gather data on the species, essentially uh, the non-fish and game species. So the species that are rare, the species that are not managed for other wildlife purposes uh-huh. are the species that we're most interested in. Of course, we keep data on all species, right? right. Um, but we're, we're trying to make sure that the, the rare species are paid attention to. That must be an enormous library you have with all <laughs> that information. Library. <laughs> so yeah. we provide the data, actually, on 100,000 species and ecosystems in North America uh-huh. for free on our website. If you go to natureserve.org or go to explorer.natureserve.org, uh-huh. you can look up species in the United States and Canada and learn all about their distribution and uh, scientific information about them and whether or not they are rare or common. Uh-huh. And uh, there's a, just a ton of great information on Explorer website. So you have a board of directors, uh who runs the organization? We we do have a board of directors. Um, We have about 12 or 15 people on our board, and Uh they are a mix of scientists and philanthropists and also people who are in the uh, conservation field, so people who work for natural heritage programs uh, across the continent. It's a great group of people. And they're active in uh, what you do? Yes. In fact, uh, right before we were talking, I was talking with several board members about uh, recruiting new board members. Uh So always a thing that nonprofits are looking to do is find new board members. So what's the size of your staff? And what we have... uh, Go ahead. What's your expertise? So we have about 60 people on our full-time staff. And NatureServe is unusual in the conservation field because about a quarter of those people are explicitly technologists. They are software engineers who do the back-end programming for the tools that allow us to both gather the information and share the information on these species. It's a very complex set of data uh. that it takes to track the location and the status of these rare species and then to make it available. We also have uh, botanists and zoologists 
and ecologists on our staff. Um, we have a lot of people with a lot of uh, GIS experience, so geographic information systems and spatial analyst type people who help us uh, parse out our data and understand the data and use it for things like modeling of potential habitat for species. So we have a number of uh, modelers, uh, computer modelers on the staff. And are they distributed all across the country? <laughs> yes. Um, like, like many organizations, in recent years, we have become more remote than we used to be. Uh, we've always, because we've always had partners across the continent, we've been very comfortable with people working not in a quote-unquote home office for a long time. That said, we have staff in about 20 states and uh, in a couple of other countries, actually. Some of our staff just happen to live there. The, uh, the fact that people live in different states is often helpful in terms of networking and understanding uh, the nature in certain places, but they aren't necessarily, you know, just because someone lives in Arkansas, it doesn't mean they're a specialist uh -huh. for us in Arkansas. They just happen to live in Arkansas. I see. And are they, are you, do you have some staff in Canada, Mexico, maybe? <laughs> we have one staff member in Canada and he runs a program for us that um, we call the Biodiversity Indicators Program, and we work with data sets to try and gather information to help countries understand how they're doing in meeting their targets under the Convention on Biological Diversity. That's his main project with NatureServe. Uh -huh. And then our chief scientist and chief zoologist um, lives in Costa Rica, where he did his graduate work and postgraduate work, and then decided to, to stay there, um, but he, he works on North American um, zoology for, for NatureServe. Uh -huh. On your website, it says that one-third of uh, uh, biodiversity is at risk. Uh, talk a little bit about that. One of the really important things that NatureServe does is we analyze the species that are uh, in, in North America for threats to them. And the threats can be in the form of having a small population or having a population that's in uh, areas that are subject to disturbance through land use change or uh, any number of threats to their existence. And so those um, conservation status ranks, as we call them, rank species on a scale from one to five of how imperiled they are. Uh -huh. So if something is a one, um, that means it is highly imperiled. And if it's a five, it's very common. Uh -huh. And we can calculate these ranks at a global level, at a national level, and at a subnational level. So that could be by region or by individual state or province. So something like a white-tailed deer might be a G5 because it's globally and nationally common even if it happens to be rare in one or two states where it exists. So the, the document that you're referring to called Biodiversity in Focus, we looked at our data and we went across all of the plants, all of the animal species, and all of our data on ecosystems and looked at ones that were a G1, 
uh, or sorry, N1 and N2 or N3. So they were global, they were imperiled, um, or critically imperiled, or vulnerable to extinction, according to our methodology. And this methodology is available on our website, and people can go in and check the calculations if they if they want to. Um, so anyway, if something was uh, critically imperiled, imperiled, or vulnerable to extinction, it was considered at risk of extinction. And it turns out that 34% of the plant species and 40% of the animal species in the United States are at risk of extinction. Wow. And you sort of need to stop and think about those numbers for a second, because that is a very large, those are very large percentages of our biodiversity. And this is based on the data collection that you do, is that right? That's correct. So we have been, we've had scientists in the field for 50 years collecting data on all the species um, in North America. And then we calculate these conservation status ranks for all of the species. And uh, the data are constantly updated and it's not just based on the data that we collect. In the process of uh, calculating a conservation status rank, we look at other sources of data, we look at the scientific literature on the species and any information that we can get so that we're really making a comprehensive look at what the threats are to its existence and how common it is currently so that we can make a, an objective and repeatable assessment of how vulnerable it is to extinction. So are your staff members uh, working in the field or uh, are they mostly analyzing data in the office or, or how, does it, how do they go operate? Yeah, the NatureServe staff specifically are typically not in the field anymore. Mm-hmm. Many of our staff used to be field biologists, but now don't uh, don't get to do that, and they spend their time uh, analyzing data back in the in the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the staff of the natural heritage programs, they're the ones who are typically out in the field, um, actually collecting the data on the ground. And and collecting the data is the purpose of collecting the data is to supply it to other organizations uh, to work in the field? So our objective in collecting the data is to understand what species are out there Mm -hmm. and where they are so that effective conservation decisions can be made to protect biodiversity. So what that means is the Natural Heritage Collect programs collect the data they use the data internally within their states as part of their state wildlife action plan, as part of uh, decisions being made about land acquisition or creating parks. They also then share that data in a database that NatureServe maintains so that we can look at the data on a national and continental scale and use data from different parts of the continent um, because it's all collected using the same methodology and shared into a common database, we can we have access to this information that we then like to share with companies or government agencies who are trying to make land use decisions that might affect 
rare and endangered species. So we work very closely with the Bureau of Land Management, the uh, U.S. Forest Service, the Department of Defense, and then with the states. And of course, the states are using these data all the time for uh, their state government and for organizations within their state that are doing things. So oftentimes, for instance, forestry companies are trying to make decisions that don't imperil species, but allow them to um, pursue forestry activities. Well, on your website, uh, it suggests that you you work internationally. Uh, there's NatureServe Canada, and you describe some uh, operations in Africa or Latin America. Yes. So we, uh, NatureServe Canada is a uh, closely aligned but independent organization from NatureServe, uh-huh. and it works... Uh, their leader is named Patrick Henry, and he um, organizes the Canadian Conservation Data Centers and keeps them uh, together as a group. But they, they're sort of members of two groups. They're also members of NatureServe and work very closely with NatureServe, sometimes individually and sometimes via NatureServe Canada. So it's a very close relationship. We're, we're, like we share... Um, information and we share logos and all of those things so that we're we're sort of a big happy family with uh, with NatureServe Canada in uh, with our um, we have uh, I've been mentioning several times uh, ecosystems mm-hmm. so a thing that makes NatureServe unusual is that we track information about both plants and animals and we work with aquatic and terrestrial, and we work with mammals and birds and reptiles. So we're not tied to one particular taxa. But we also work specifically with ecosystems through the National Vegetation Classification System, which is a thing that we developed in partnership with the Ecological Society of America and the government to have a hierarchical system for naming Habitats for naming ecosystems, <laughs> eastern hardwood forest, uh, beech hickory forest, um, wetlands with specific kinds of uh, species in them. And so this system um, is highly developed in the United States and Canada and has also been uh, developed at the higher levels of the hierarchy for other parts of the world. And so NatureServe worked uh, in both Africa and uh, Latin America to do some mapping of ecosystems mm-hmm. across those areas as well. We're, we don't collect data on species in other parts of the world outside of the United States and Canada. We believe that we have a lot of diversity right here at home, and we have a lot of challenges protecting that diversity right here, and so we work extra hard to try and make sure that we're doing the right thing by uh, by the biodiversity in the United States and Canada. Uh, so uh, you are you are collecting data that it, that is collected in the field by uh, other operations and you're acting as a central data clearinghouse, is that right? In a lot of ways, yes. Uh-huh. Um, the data that we hold 
is available from individual states, and oftentimes people will get the data directly from an individual state. But usually when an organization needs data from more than one state, NatureServe will be the organization that provides it because it's just easier than having each individual state have to try and figure out, um, or have, having the customer, rather, right. try and figure out how to get the data from each individual state. Well, talk, talk to me about analyzing that data. How, how do they go about uh, doing that? And what are, I guess there are uh, uh, models and metrics that you're using to do that? Yes. The sort of one of the key things that we do is because the data are collected spatially explicitly, right, we know exactly where these things are. It allows us to analyze, for instance, a species range and compare that to what we know about the habitat on the ground and then use that to create models of where there may be suitable habitat for that species. And this is a, an awesome, awesome tool. Um, if you have a very rare species and you can use artificial intelligence and machine learning, which we do, to compare where that species is found to um, things like rainfall and temperature and slope and aspect and other environmental factors, you can then make predictions about other places that might have habitat for that species. And that's useful in a couple of ways. One is that you might uh, discover new populations of a species in a place where you hadn't seen it before because you didn't look there. Um, and in other cases, it might be useful for um, safeguarding against uh, habitat change or climate change. So if there's, um, you're able to predict where a species might be uh, living now, you might also be able to predict where it could live in the future as the climate changes yeah. and take some mitigation measures to protect that species mm -hmm. for the future. So that's one really important kind of analysis. The other one that's really important that I talked about earlier was the uh, conservation status ranks, because if you don't know which ones are rare, then you don't know which ones to focus on. So having the ability to come up with a objective and repeatable way of determining how rare something is or how imperiled something is allows you to prioritize what species to work on and what uh, locations, what habitats to work on. We also do work just specifically and directly with federal agencies and state agencies and companies uh, to do analyses that they're interested in on, on specific geographies and specific species. Uh, so you're assessing biodiversity and the threats to, uh, to systems as well as individual, uh, individual species? Yes, that's one of the things that the National Vegetation Classification System allows. Uh -huh. And if you look at the, the habitats as opposed to uh, species, 41% of ecosystems in the United States are at risk of range-wide collapse, Whoa. which is yeah, fairly alarming. Um, this is based on not a land area, but by the names 
of the uh, ecosystem. So some of them are rare and small, and that's why they're so imperiled and why they're so at risk of um, becoming, uh, of, of collapsing. That said, of course, as you know, from looking at maps of the country or flying over the country in an airplane, we've transformed an enormous percentage of our country into um, something other than its natural state already. Website uh, talks about conservation priorities. Uh, I was asking if you set those priorities or if you uh, make recommendations to other organizations or if they do their own prioritization. I would say it's a little bit of all of those things. We have created a map that we call areas of unprotected biodiversity importance, where we used on-the-ground data and combined that with model data to predict where there are concentrations of rare species. And then um, anywhere that was already protected for conservation of biodiversity, you know, whether that's parks or some other land that's being set aside, um, those were places where we said, okay, well, those species are already being protected and managed. Uh -huh. So where else is there? And on our website and in our report, Biodiversity in Focus, there's a copy of the map that shows what we would consider to be priority areas for conserving unprotected imperiled species. We will also work with an organization or an agency that asks us to make a specific analysis and make specific conservation recommendations. Mm -hmm. And then in other cases, we provide them with data that they can analyze and make their own conservation priority decisions based on a different set of criteria than we might use if we were doing it ourselves. Uh, your site, your website say, talks about uh, quantifying the success of conservation investments. Does that mean you're determining how successful efforts have been to preserve biosystems or uh, species? Yeah, so we are getting involved in the uh, biodiversity valuation field. Uh, as you know, there's uh, tons of work that's been done over the years on carbon credits and companies becoming carbon neutral and trying to measure their carbon footprint and do something to reduce their carbon footprint. At the same time now, uh, companies and countries are interested in their biodiversity, biodiversity footprint. Like what impact are they having on biodiversity mm -hmm. in the planet? And we're working with other organizations uh, on how to measure that and how to quantify what it means to do different kinds of conservation activities or um, the impact that you have and how that affects the biodiversity of the planet. It's a very complicated problem and it's not been, you know, with carbon, it's relatively straightforward at this point for companies to calculate their carbon footprint. We're still figuring out how companies are going to calculate their biodiversity footprint. Uh -huh. Okay, uh, so uh, how do you how do you ask pe how do you want to get people involved in what you do? Is there a way uh, 
Uh, you have a couple of programs called Adopt a Species or Heritage Circle. Yes. Uh, so NatureServe is a nonprofit organization, and in addition to earning a fair amount of the money that it takes to run the organization by working with corporate America and with government agencies, we're also uh, seeking philanthropic support, so donations from people. And we have a couple of – one really fun way to do it is our Adopt-a-Species program uh-huh. where you can um, – become the, you know, sort of the honorary parent of a rare or imperiled species um, and be recognized on our website that way. We also, uh, through the Heritage Circle, um, and are very happy to talk with people about um, estate planning and uh, giving to NatureServe in that way to protect the, uh, the planet for their children and grandchildren by working with NatureServe to protect biodiversity. Uh, our, our website, natureserve.org, is a great place to learn about what we do. And then if you want to learn about specific species or habitats, going to explorer.natureserve.org is a great way to do that and uh, learn more about the biodiversity right here in the United States and Canada. So you have a newsletter as well, is that right? We do. You can sign up for our newsletter online. Um we send out regularly, but not frequently. So you're not going to find yourself overwhelmed <laughs> with uh, newsletters from NatureServe, but you, you'll get enough that you'll remember that we're an organization there that's working to, to make the world a better place. And what about the podcast? Well, we know all about podcasts, don't we? Um, NatureServe has a podcast called Conservation Conversations. We put out one episode a month, and uh, we've been doing it for about three years now. So there's a nice library that you can access on all of the podcast platforms, or you can find them on our website. Uh-huh. Uh, and we talk to a range of people from the author of the book called The Invention of Nature, which is about Alexander von Humboldt and how he created our modern conception of nature. Uh-huh. We talk with... Um, very specific biologists of a specific taxa of plants or animals. Uh, sometimes we talk to activists. Um, sometimes we talk with people who are just are nature educators and are trying to get more people engaged in thinking about nature. And because we're an organization that's all about biodiversity, we also try to make sure we're including the voices of the diversity of humans in our conversations uh, about nature so that we can understand different perspectives on conservation of nature. Well, Charlie, I'd like to continue this, uh, but we're just about out of time for our, uh, today's broadcast, but uh, if you'll hang on, I'll, uh, uh, we'll do some more in a bit. Our guest today Great. is Sean O'Brien, CEO of NatureServe, a nationwide organization headquartered in Arlington, Virginia. This has been Wilderness and Wildlife, a presentation of the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. To hear more of these half-hour interviews, go online to js-wilderness.com. See additional features of our website. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Jay Shell.